0: Welcome to Lightning in a Bottle, a podcast series for owners and key stakeholders in privately held companies and the professionals that surround them. My name is Josh Pottinger, and together with Jason Georgianis, we run ATX Wealth Partners here at UBS. Jason and I have been teamed up now for over 20 years, and each of us has over 25 years of experience in the financial services industry. Our goal is to bring real-world perspectives to help you prepare yourself, your family, and your business for the day that you decide to monetize some or all of your ownership position in the company. Throughout this series, we will provide our own thoughts as well as interview key people along the way. Feel free to email us at atxwealthpartners at ubs.com. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, everyone. This is Josh Pottinger here at UBS, co-founder of ATX Wealth Partners. I've got my business partner and good friend, Jason, with me. Jason? Good day. Hello, everyone. Jason, thanks for joining us. We also have our guest, Bianca benedetti Fang. Hi, Josh
1: and Jason. Thanks for having me.
0: Hello. Good. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Bianca. I'm excited about our conversation today. For the listeners out there, we, we've we been having some back and forth dialogue in preparing for this episode. It's a special episode. We're gonna be focused on female founders of businesses out there and the challenges that they face. And so what better person to bring on here than Bianca, who's with our business owner segment group. She joined UBS back in 2010, and is currently the the executive director with UBS. And she is super laser focused, just like we are on helping business owners have more successful exits and be more efficient. And she's got, of course, a unique perspective being a woman in the business place. And so we wanted to bring her on to the show today and grill her with a bunch of questions. So Bianca, let's get started.
1: I'm ready. I'm
0: ready for the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick it off. First, maybe you could give us a little more color on, on yourself and a little bit of your background and also talk about the big project that you've been working on.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, thanks again. Our team is the UBS Business Owner Client Segment Group. And we're really committed to, I think, understanding and addressing the unique financial needs of founders and entrepreneurs, right? So we work all the time with advisors like you that understand that business owners are not one size fits all, but from an investment perspective, they have very specific needs. And those are needs as they are building, growing, and exiting their companies. So you mentioned my unique perspective. In addition to working with hundreds of business owners across the country on you know growing their companies and exiting their companies, I'm also from a third-generation business owner family. So we've actually executed multiple transactions as a family. And then I also happened to be born the same year that my mother started her company. So she built a nursery in her warehouse and that's where I grew up. And it was a fantastic experience to really understand what are the high highs and the low lows of being at the helm of a company and being that founder. So, you know, hopefully that unique personal perspective comes in to our work with clients. And recently, we did actually launch a UBS Investor Watch report. So we were really focused on making sure that we're providing business owners with resources in any market. And I think now what we felt was like, given the headlines of slowdowns in M&A, it was really important for us to provide some insight and advice for owners who might be anxious about what their exit looks like. Jason and Josh, you both know the sale of a business is probably going to be the most significant financial transaction of a business owner's life right? And so we didn't want to really like talk to business owners. We wanted for owners to be able to access commentary from those who have lived it, those who have exited. So we looked at 500 business owners, those who recently exited their companies, or those who were looking to exit over the next five years. And some of the key findings, I think, really highlighted the importance of effective and thorough pre-sale exit planning. So, you know, just to give you a little bit of an overview, 40% of the business owners who are hoping to sell in the next three to five years regret not doing so earlier. Think that they may have missed the proverbial boat. 81% of those that we surveyed that had already exited actually said that they wish that they had spent more time preparing, which is really interesting. I mean, eight out of 10, that's a lot. And for those that are aiming to sell they really haven't started getting prepared. They're they're anxious to do so, but 34% don't have any strategies in place to minimize taxes, and 40% haven't spoken to their heirs yet. And then lastly, of those looking to sell, more than 30% also don't have a plan for what they want to do with the proceeds. So we really wanted to kind of take this as a catalyst to say, the market is, you know, moves in cycles. It's going to change. Many business owners will have compelling opportunities to exit or sell their companies. Let's take this time now to start preparing so that you can do it in the best manner possible.
2: Bianca, was it relative to preparation at the company level? You are referencing at the personal level as well, but was there dialogue about lack of preparation at the company level for an exit?
1: So, yeah, it's a great question. And what I'll say is that I don't think many business owners felt like they didn't prepare the company correctly. It was all about them personally. Did I think about what I personally wanted? What my purpose was going to be after the exit? Everybody definitely thinks about what the number looks like, but they don't necessarily think, how will I feel when my business is being run by someone else? How will I feel about my employees and how they are treated when I'm no longer the owner of the company? So from a company standpoint, I think everybody, you have to have your ducks in a row to execute a transaction. But many of the business owners felt like personally, they didn't do the work to prepare.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Common thing that we say over and over, we're like a broken record. Business owners oftentimes underestimate the amount of planning and also underestimate the impact that planning can do for them, for the good. Yes. On the positive side, right? So-
1: You are absolutely right. And there was some specific commentary in the report that also highlighted, I think it was 73% of business owners who were thinking about their exits felt like they probably needed two years or less to prepare. And we know you can start having those conversations five years in advance, but it's really important to be giving yourself a lot of time to prepare and think about those things that are outside of just the number,
0: right? Right. Now, that's a great overview of that piece. I know you spent several months on it. So thank you for all, the, all of that great work. It's great. So if you're a listener out there and you're interested in this piece, feel free to reach out to our team and we, we can send you a copy of that. Not a problem at all. Let's move on. Let's get a little bit focused here and let's talk about female business owners and how they can leverage their unique strengths and perspectives to really drive growth in these rather turbulent markets like we're seeing today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly the Investor Watch report shows in this market, I think there's a lot of competition and buyers are really going to be looking for those businesses that can showcase how they're differentiated many women-led companies have a different perspective. They're offering services or products that appeal to the specific needs of women, which let's not forget are 51% plus of the population. So they kind of have an edge against other companies who may not be focused on that inclusivity or on all of the consumer segments or sub-segments. It's a big group of potential clients. And actually, Boston Consulting Group did some research, and they found that female entrepreneurs are really likely to create new jobs to help their local economies. They also found that they're more apt to reinvest their earnings into the health and education of their families. So I think kind of from a community perspective, they found that there were a lot of financial benefits from having female-led companies in an ecosystem. But they also found that startups that were founded or co-founded by women appear to be better investments. So on average, women are generating 78 cents of revenue per dollar invested compared with 31 cents for men, according to the BCG research. And look, I think these are all key drivers of attractiveness for potential buyers or investors.
0: Jason and I were on a call actually yesterday
2: That's what prompted my question as far as the company level, just to digress for a second. Oh, right.
0: (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah. So she acts as a fractional CFO for some of the smaller companies, and she's also been on some projects where she was helping a company go public recently. But one of the things when we were getting started in our conversation, she mentioned, when you have a group of women around a table, you know, in a room that... Women tend to be more sharing is the word sharing you know. yes more sharing and just really wanting to help other women
2: out versus uh, the male species the male. looking for the sale
0: <laughs> <laughs> had an agenda and so I thought that was an interesting perspective from her and and I was just curious to get your thoughts on that the community of female founders I mean do you find a lot of good collaboration out there for lack of a better word a support group for women out there trying to build and grow and, and eventually exit their businesses?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's so important too, because generally we kind of talk about like, are there unique challenges for female business owners versus their male counterparts? And here and there, yes, of course they are. And, and we hear like all these statistics about financing, which we'll get into later. But what I think is sometimes very challenging is to not have that network. Female founders, there's not always a ton of people in the room that look like them or they may be pitching to a table of investors that looks nothing, you know, not one person at that table looks like them. It's also hard to get the advice and guidance that you need when you are quite literally the first person in your family or in your community that is going down this road. And let's not forget that the Equal Credit Opportunity Act was passed in 1974. So before that, many women did not legally have access to credit on their own in an independent way. And so there isn't a ton of female founders out there who have gone through building a company for 30 years and have exited. There are some and the numbers are getting better and better, but... When we think about the most successful business owners, oftentimes they are the ones that are learning the mistakes and the successes of their peers. And I think also you need a little bit of a playbook. It's not like you're a traditional salaried worker. You're going to have very strange needs when you're a trailblazer. And so for female founders to have other female founders in their corner that are saying, I'm dealing with the exact same things as you, or I've done this over the last 10 years, let me help you to get further faster. That's pretty powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. Quick side note, I know that UBS is a big supporter of Vistage nationwide. I think there was a big conference recently for women in leadership.
1: Yeah, we were really excited to be able to participate in that conference. I think it was the fourth year that we did it. And we always talk about how female founders and female business leaders, frankly, should be embracing their success. And also to your point, thinking a little bit about themselves too, prioritizing themselves. Because so many of the women that we work for, of course, are very used to it providing for families and providing for communities. And many business owners are just so laser focused on the growth of their company, whether you're male or a female, there is a way of looking at your company like it's your baby and being so attached to that success. So, We really do want to make sure that every business owner is not just thinking about the success of their company and the success of their employees, but that they're also thinking about what they're going to get out of all of the hard work, time, and energy that they're putting into their business every single day.
2: Bianca, circling back for a second, we could take a hint. You referenced financing options and desire to grow, obviously, sometimes will opt to leverage debt in an effort to accelerate that growth. And you hinted a moment ago that there is a disparity when negotiating financing terms, perhaps between men and women. Can you expand on that a little bit?
1: Yep, for sure. And you know what's interesting? We've all heard the statistics. The statistics are very dire, particularly on getting VC money, getting investors for women. But the truth is I always try to sort of focus on the solution for the business owner. And every entrepreneur gets told no when it comes to financing, right? So whether that's from a bank or from a potential investor, there's a lot more no's than yeses. And honestly, like even from your consumers, right? There's a lot of people, how many business owners have said, "Like I told this idea to like 10 people and like nine of them were like, you're crazy, like Mm -hmm. don't do this, right? (laughs) So, you know, there's always going to be no's. And I think when we start talking more about the no's than the yeses, it makes people really nervous that like, if I get a yes, then like I have to just take it. Like, how could I not take it, right? And I think that that's something that we've seen in the female founder community. I'm not gonna necessarily negotiate these terms or these terms must be normal, right? Or they they must be typical. And I got the yes, like, why would I focus on small details? But the truth is, is that many people negotiate offers and deals. And you have to be getting something out of it. On the financing side specifically, I know very personally how it must feel to have payroll due in two weeks and like need to make a decision. But there are many different options for getting cash flow and liquidity. And I think that what we try to do is help business owners to marry their short-term needs, right? So like just getting some of that cash in the door so they can make it through the next month with their longer-term need, which is at the end of this road, I need X, Y, and Z for my family or I want to make X, Y, and Z when I sell this business. So not taking a deal that you're giving away a large portion of equity and at the end of the road, you're not going to be left with what you deserve.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's dig into that Piece there a little bit more as far as taking chips off the table. How would you coach a female founder out there in terms of their options and how to think about it?
1: So, your options on the financing side or options on the exit side?
0: On taking some chips off the table, just selling part of that ownership position.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, first of all, I think my advice on both sides on financing and exiting is you probably have a lot more options than you think. And you both know this, right? So for instance, when we talk about taking some chips off the table, yes, it might be mitigating a little bit of risk by selling a portion of your company to a strategic buyer or taking private equity money or what have you. But we also do a ton of ESOP work using employee stock ownership plans. And that's a really great option and vehicle because you can create the buyer in that situation. So if you want to sell I'm making it up 34% of your company and still maintain control, you can do that and have really great tax efficiency as well as provide your employees with a really fantastic option to share in the success of the company and create a vehicle to like retain a lot of your key management, your employees as well. So it's not always like, there's no choices or if you want to insulate your lifestyle and take some risk off the table that you have to do it in a very specific way. So I would absolutely say, you know, talk with somebody who's helped to take business owners to exit and knows that it's not two or three options. You guys know there's a lot of different ways to make
0: this happen. Right. And when we talk about exit planning, I I always wrestle with that term, exit planning, because it gives the connotation that you're exiting, you're selling the business and walking away where there's so many different options that you can explore to actually take the proverbial, some chips off the table, right? And monetize, monetize some of that ownership position and go from an illiquid asset to a liquid asset. So I think that's important to keep in mind.
1: I completely agree. And it's hard sometimes to look at a business and a company as an asset. But ultimately, 100% of business owners need to exit at some point. You both know that. You talk about that all the time with your clients. So if you know that this is going to happen, it's the nature of the business, do it in a way that's on your terms. And you're right. Sometimes it's not always you walk out the door. Sometimes you have an earnout, <laughs> And that can be its own adventure.
2: <laughs> that's right. With all of those various options available, obviously you need to surround yourself with a a slew of team members, if you will. What key questions through your lens, what key questions ought to be asked by the founder as he or she is putting together their team ahead of an exit?
1: Well, that's a great question. I think for female founders, you really want to make sure that whoever you're surrounding yourself has helped people in similar situation as yours. I don't know where I heard this, but it might've been on a podcast or something, but somebody said, don't ever ask someone for directions to places that they have never been. And that is just something that always sticks with me with business owners because I know that they have such specific needs and you want to be surrounding yourself with a team who has helped people manage through the unique challenges and opportunities that you are going to be faced with. You may not know what they are, but oftentimes, I mean, both of you know, you've been in the trenches with business owners, deals that have gone so smoothly and deals that have completely blown up. So you know how to guide people through not having those worst case scenarios happen, right? And I think that that's, Honestly, you can ask about like credentials and what school somebody went to, but ultimately I just always ask, who are the people that you are working with that are like me? What results have you gotten from them? And how many of those people have you worked with on successful transactions? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, this kind of speaks to what we talked about earlier in prepping, which is just the general pressure from society just on women to do it all, be a great mother, be a great spouse, be a fantastic business owner, and how challenging it can be for females out there that are trying to do it all. It's the old saying, it takes a village, right?
1: You're absolutely right. And I think that that's hard sometimes in this society. I think previously, the village mentality was there. In this society, it's very, you need to succeed independently and do it. And to your point, do it all. It's not possible. And frankly, anybody that owns a business and it's particularly is growing a business knows like you need the best minds working on your side to help you identify the gaps that you don't know you don't know. So the team is really, really important. And in addition to getting a team that works with business owners specifically or people that are in your specific situation, I would also say you really want someone that emotionally you connect with too, right? Like you don't, particularly for a business sale, you don't want to be working with somebody who culturally you're not aligned with, who doesn't understand what your unique goals are. Josh and Jason, I think one of the things that I find to be so interesting about your practice is that like you are such an advocate for all of your business owners. And it's nice that you all have the same goals, which is let's build and grow and protect wealth. But I think that that's really important. You don't want to go through a transaction with somebody that you're like, we think completely differently. It's a very emotional transaction in addition to being financial. And then also, I think from a team perspective, like find people who can wear multiple hats, particularly for female founders who are like, well, I can't hire like a financial advisor and a transactional accountant and a lawyer. And you might find a financial advisor who has a legal background or you might find a really great accountant who has additional skills. They've helped other businesses grow or go through transactions or can help you on the estate planning side. So there's a lot of, again, creative ways to kind of maximize that team.
0: Mm -hmm. Other than not planning early enough, any particular pitfalls when preparing for an exit or some mistakes that you've seen happen out there? I know you mentioned a brewery at some point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, I love that you're like, anything outside of preparing, it's like, well, you know, advanced preparation is key. Like, I would be lying if I said, don't worry about doing it in advance. It's no big deal. And the reason for that is because one of the big pitfalls is like you don't know what it's going to be like in the months leading up to a transaction, let alone the days and the weeks. It is a very chaotic time. Many business owners cannot actually prepare for a transaction and go through due diligence and still manage their company. So Jason and Josh, I know we've seen this before where a business owner has gone through all of due diligence and for whatever reason, the deal falls apart at the 11th hour and then they come back to their company and they're like, oh my God, I've been neglecting this company for three months because I've been so focused on this deal. So it's really hard. It's extremely chaotic. And then I also think there's a lot of emotions. So just forget your time emotionally, you're just like really amped up during that time. And it is not the time for rational (laughs) decision-making. And I share that with you because, yes, earlier in 2021, we had an opportunity for a transaction. And I do this for a living. I tell people advanced preparation is key. I go through this all the time. And three days before the deal closed, we were alerted that... We still had not signed an updated will that included our third child. So I was like, oh, great. I can't believe. But there's just so many moving pieces. It's so hard. So again, emotions are running high, super chaotic time. You really do need to have all of your docs in a row before that. And you also need to just have that team there to say to you, hey, let's double check everything very thoroughly. Mm-hmm. make sure you're not missing out on anything like your third child. Sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Bianca, you're you're talking to Bianca when she was an undergrad in college and trying to figure out what she wants to do and she's thinking she's very entrepreneurial and maybe wants to start a business. What's your advice knowing what you know now?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. To that college because... age Bianca. Yes. Well, because real college age Bianca was like the one that was saying, I'm definitely not going to take over the business that my mother started the year that I was born <laughs> that she had intended for me to take over. Mm-hmm. So that's a big plug to everybody out there who's not having this succession conversation because you need to get on that.
0: Well, Sarah, but, I think we talked about this before on family owned businesses. It turns out the kids, they don't really want the business. They just right, want the exactly. money.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, you know, it only took us 30 years to have that discussion. I would say I think building and growing a business, so many entrepreneurs that we work with are so focused on solving something, right? Like many business owners don't necessarily go into founding a company thinking, I just want to make money. That's very rare. They feel so passionate about. The solution that they're providing for consumers, or the offering that they have, and how it's different, and it's going to, in some way, shape, or form, make the world a better place. And they're always right, you know? But I would say, really consider what you want out of life, and you should really incorporate yourself, your family, and your legacy into what your vision looks like for a successful business. So important.
0: Well said, Jason. Any parting questions here as we wrap up the? Well, I'm just stuck. Show?
2: I'm still stuck in thought from ten minutes ago when Bianca said, "Don't ask someone of directions if they haven't been to that destination before." Meanwhile, men refuse to ask for directions in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because so, they know
1: nobody's been down yeah, this path so before.
2: <laughs> this ought to be much easier. For for female founders (laughs) (laughs) well kid well we've covered a lot
0: in the last half hour or so and our team is very grateful for you bianca and, and and the rest of the team there with the business owner segment group and the work that you do great work so thank you for hopping on a call this afternoon with us and any last minute thoughts on your side bianca
1: I'm so glad that we were able to do this. And I also not only deeply respect all the work that you do with founders, but it's not all the time that I get asked to just focus on female founders. And I think that's truly a testament to how important you both know the future opportunities, the current opportunities are for females and women business owners and also how you really help all of your entrepreneurial clients and their families. So thank you so much for having me on to share a little bit of insight and to focus more of a highlight on female founders. I appreciate
0: it. Thank you. Well, thanks Bianca for the listeners out there. If you're building and growing a business, depending on where you are in that journey, everybody's in their own life cycle of owning and eventually obviously exiting a business and, the one common denominator that Jason and I see all the time is just the lack of appreciation of the amount of work that needs to go in in anticipation of that event. And We've created quite a bit of content out there, either through the podcast, through some Zoom events, and also some in-person roundtable discussions. And Our website always is updated with events that are coming up, and we will be having another conversation with Bianca here in the near future. So anyway, if you want to stay in the know, shoot us a note and we'll keep you abreast of any upcoming events coming along. So anyway, on behalf of ATX Wealth Partners here at UBS, I just want to thank you for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon and we wish you all the best. Take care. On behalf of our entire team here at ATX Wealth Partners, we hope you enjoyed this program. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at atxwealthpartners at ubs.com. And remember this, know your options, be informed, and plan early. Until next time, take care and be well.